0: Welcome to Overtired. I am one of many co-hosts, Jeff Severins Gunsel, also here with Christina Warren. Hi, Christina.
1: Hello. Welcome. I'm happy to be back.
0: (laughs) Good. Glad to have you back. Good. Glad you're happy. Um, Brett, (laughs) good to have you back as well. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and Victor Agreta Jr. Let's be careful to distinguish uh, a wonderful thank guest. Welcome, thank you. Welcome. Uh, hi, <laughs> hello, <laughs> hello. All those things. Well, we've all been podcasting without recording for the last like thirty minutes. Yeah, um, some good pre-show material. Good pre- feeling, warmed up. Everybody.
1: Yeah, I, feeling feeling good.
2: Excellent. Yeah. So Christina was a little bit late. She missed like a lot of our pre-show conversation because she had. Things going on. But remind me where you were last week, Christina.
1: I was in Atlanta at Render ATL, which is a JavaScript conference, but it was also like, frankly, it was one of the the cooler tech events I've been to because um, you know, most tech conferences, um, it's like a bunch of white dudes. Mm-hmm. or like white people in general. Yeah, like me being white, I was like a minority. It was it was uh, because it, uh, it is the Atlanta tech community, but it was kind of created by them and not by like the white people in the suburbs of the Atlanta tech community. So, it was it was a bunch of 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 um black and and people of color and and people who have like different backgrounds. Um awesome. it was a lot of young people. It was really really it was a really great event. It was really fun.
3: Nice. That's awesome. Atlanta Welcome has a great home. tech scene, man. Oh my gosh.
1: They they do. They do, but what was interesting, like this was, it took place downtown, and a lot mm-hmm. of the conferences, like I haven't been to a conference that was downtown since 2008. Like most of yeah. them have been in the suburbs. Like they make you go to Cobb or something, yep. and yep. this was actually like downtown, which was really great.
2: Hmm. Speaking Seems of like a wonderful, wonderful city, go ahead, Brett. Yeah. Um, so, Macstock is under pretty severe limitations this year uh, because of they're offering. Distant, socially distant seating to people, uh, which means they can only sell so many tickets, and technically, they are sold out already. Um, Oh shit! I am working. uh, I'm waiting. Uh, Mike is going to get back to me. He's processing whatever refunds are waiting right now, Uh, and any tickets that become available, he's gonna he's gonna let me uh, invite you know specific people. We want Victor to come.
3: Well, uh, I'm 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 okay with waiting in line like a normal human being as opposed to you know some big shot uh, wheel or whatever the hell. Uh, but I will I will say this at the very least this would give me an excuse to send a robot in my stead, uh, and ooh, maybe yeah, presence.
1: I was gonna say you did the telepresence thing. That'd be fun,
3: right? Uh, there's a bunch yeah. of open source like robot dogs on the market, and so you know maybe I'll send like a fleet of spider d- robots. To- what there
0: about this one that's out there? It oh, looks like fun. a. Uh, it looks like a. Uh, oh, what's the scooter you ride? Two wheels. A segway. Uh, Joe Blue. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It like a Segway and a- holds a stick and a phone. What's the deal? Anybody yeah. got that?
1: I've seen that before. Um, we we actually had one of those. Uh, Freaking Lance, because Lance would have obviously do this. Lance Ulanoff, guy I used to work with, who's uh, crazy, and he does these things, and it's 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 very charming. But he had one of those at the TED conference, <laughs> and so he was he- in the office. Walking around, but he was at the TED conference, and then he was in our office on one of those Segway things, controlling it. It was very bizarre that he would just like walk up <laughs> to us, like he would like walk behind my desk and like <laughs> be like, like really. Really, I feel like it was
2: Modern funny. Family did a whole bit on that, where Phil was on one of those telepresence robots. It was
1: yeah, they did, and I, I don't remember if ours was before or after. It was probably after, but it, but it was around the same time. It was definitely yeah, it was one of those things that was very funny.
2: For the I record, Max Sock does have a streaming. They, they they will be live streaming, and you can buy a streaming pass if you uh, if you don't feel like heading out to the outskirts of Chicago. Um, I shouldn't even say it's the outskirts of Chicago. It's like, I think, 45 minutes outside of Chicago. Um, See, the
3: thing is, I want to go to Chicago. So if y'all want to go meet up in Chicago afterwards, I'm also down mm-hmm. for that. You know, Chardier lives up there. so
1: Yeah, actually, yeah. I was going to say, because I've been, I needed to email Mike back and I never did because I'm terrible at email. And so I'm probably not going to be able to go, although I would love to go. But Victor, if I'm down to go to Chicago and then watch remotely. And then if anybody wants to come to Chicago and like do a meetup or something, I'm totally game for that. Like, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I would love to get to max. Yeah. I'd love to beat at max. Doc proper, but like, like Victor, I don't want to like skip lines or anything. I don't want to oh, take come on. from other people.
2: Take advantage of knowing me.
1: I mean, okay, fair. I will. If it's an opportunity, <laughs> if, if you I can work it out, I'll absolutely time. go and do it. But I would also like to go to Chicago and meet up with people there. I'd love to see Chardier. That would be cool.
2: Yeah, and Dan Peterson lives in Chicago, oh, too. Oh,
1: yeah, Dan Peterson. Dan yeah.
2: Peterson, who just got married. Congratulations, Dan. I don't know if he listens to this podcast. He probably doesn't, do but
1: congrats to Dan Peterson. We, we, will we, know. We, uh, we're we very happy for you, Mazel Tov. Very happy for you.
2: Uh, Jeff, I, you've probably never met Dan. He is the uh, lead designer for 1Password. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yep. And I he's a, he's an familiar. old friend and a really and an amazing, employer, right? amazing guy. What's that? and an old employer of yours, right? Uh he he was a coworker of mine, yes. Uh nice. I'm not saying that my our, my skill set was equal to his, but we were both under the employ of Agile. <laughs> so awesome. uh should we, should we have a, a mental health corner? Do you guys you feel you feeling up for a mental health corner? Definitely. Who life wants to start? Corner.
3: I'll start since I'm, you know, the guest here. Awesome. Yes, please do. I'll skip the line this one time. Hey! Um, (laughs) Right? I'll, uh, so I've been doing two things because I suck at habits and, you know, consistency. Um, And about a year ago, I started taking some meds for ADHD. um, And that's, you know, it's been all right or whatever, but there's still that whole issue of just like, you know, making time for certain things or whatever. Uh, So, and I know we're going to talk about favorite apps later. These are not favorite apps. These are apps that I suffer through. Um, they're, they're actually not very good at all, uh, in many ways, but they're also good in other ways. So I do use them, uh, Noom and, uh, fabulous is the other one. So fabulous.co, if you go there, it's really interesting. They've got like a, a, an art style. That's probably not for everybody. Um, and there's way too much going on, but what's interesting is just the building of habits, how you start with one thing, like drink, water, as you wait, when you wake up, not as you wake up, <laughs> that would be interesting. Uh, when you wake up, drink some water. You do that three days in a row, and then you add another habit, like you know, meditate or write in your journal or something like that. So that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so that's that. That has helped my mental health, and I'm not getting paid by any of these people to do any of this stuff. Just so you know, uh, you know. Uh, but it's it's really helped my mental health uh, because it reminds me to do some of the stuff that keeps me healthy through the day. Um and mostly like meditate and write my journal. So I don't fall victim to like time blindness. Uh primarily, yeah. Time
0: blindness. Yeah.
3: What uh oh yeah. What ADHD meds are you on, Victor? Uh Adderall, like five milligrams or something. Like super light, you know. Yeah. I I just I don't need to drink twelve cups of coffee a day. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I uh I asked for an increase in my dosage of Vivants and my uh, doctor said, no, I'd rather that you found a therapist. And so,
3: I'm still working to find the right therapist. Um, I'm doing good therapy, too. Now, I've got a, I've got a good therapist that's doing the integrated family systems uh, oh, yeah, stuff. So, if you've yeah. never done that, it's, it's really, really good. That's um, wonderful. Do, do you yeah. need a family for that? Nope. The family's all up in here. Oh, all right. Yeah got all these pieces. The theory is that you've got all these pieces that have broken off. I mean, has anybody watched Moon Knight? Yeah.
0: Yes. Not okay. Yet. So
3: dissociative disorder is like the far end of the spectrum of this. The, the lighter end is like, you know, when you've got a craving or when you feel sad, you eat your feelings. Well, something's you know, telling you do this and you'll feel better. It's trying to help you, uh, and so what you do is you identify that, and then you kind of work with it. You know, in certain ways or whatever. You may say, "Hey, I'm a grown up now. It's okay. You can calm down." Uh, and you know, but you you have to do that pretty repeatedly. Uh, and I you know explore stuff and whatever. So yeah, it's an it's a newish kind of therapy. I will I will that,
2: keep my eye open for that. It's that idea
0: that you, without overthinking or overanalyzing. You you kind of you recognize that there's a part of you, you have many parts, and that there's a part of you that needs this thing for some reason to be calm. And yeah. what you just said is what was so striking to me about it, which is then you're kind of going, hey, okay, cool. Yeah, no, that's real. I need that. I needed that. Do I still need it? Right? Like, do I right. still need this thing to protect me in this way right now? I always really loved, I don't, I'm not, uh, my therapy is not family systems, but my father-in-law who I happen to like, which I know is rare in uh, the world of in-laws uh, is deep into uh, that, that modality of therapy. And I just love hearing about it and thinking about it. So that's cool. Yeah. Awesome. I can, keep, I can just
3: keep working. I'll
0: just roll. I don't have a lot to say. I have something really, uh, one really wonderful change in my life is that having gotten um, steroid shot, in my back um, that was really badly needed. I wasn't able to walk even a block without everything seizing up. Um, my wife and I take evening walks again. And that is great for me. And that is great for us. And actually, you mentioned Victor, time blindness. Um, I realize how important uh, connecting like that In that kind of like we used to call in the Trump era,s we we took walks morning and night and called them worry walks because like (laughs) that was like the best place to to talk about all of the things happening in the world and you know it really helped you to metabolize it you know rather than just like Mm -hmm. sitting in a room and then the conversation's over and you're still sitting in the room it's like it's like you're leaving every piece behind you as you go right (laughs) Um, really interesting and and it became such a marker of time for me and so I've I've noticed even just in the last few days um, that like i have a much stronger sense of time and and my day and all of those things and that's been really great
2: i think that i think that negative discussion while walking thing kind of works for me and l um i i think it's safest to bring up scary especially political topics while we're walking probably for the same reasons you just described uh, but i i tend to go to the scary side of things very quickly um, I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> the world is over cause this is happening and for, it doesn't affect me. Like it, I, I can think those things and then just move on. Um, but L cannot. Uh, so it has to be like tempered and we definitely could not have those conversations sitting in the living room. So, yeah, I think there's something to that idea of like kind of keeping moving, While having those negative conversations and give it to the air, you know? Yeah. It's
0: kind of like why it's so nice to sit for me to sit by waves. You just feel like I feel like the waves are doing the work for me. I don't have to be chaotic. They're chaotic. They're just kind of going, let let us do this.
2: (laughs) All right, Christina, you or me?
1: Uh, I'll go. Um, yeah, not a ton to update on. Uh, there is some stuff going on in my mental health that I'm not really it's, it's not my place to talk about it so but but it is hopefully will lead to some some good things related to my mental health. so it's someone else's mental health, but it's not mine. but it'll hopefully have some some good impact on me if things are dealt with. But uh, yeah, no, I've been um you know, I was out of town for like a week basically because I was in San Diego and then I was home for twelve hours, ten hours, something like that, and then I was in Atlanta. Um, for a conference, um, not with the family, which was nice. I did see the baby for but my my nephew for um, a, a night, but it was I, w- I was there for the conference, and um, it was really nice to meet my coworkers in person. And it was really nice to um, you know have that kind of time. And and I f- I find that that sort of thing really energizes me and and really helps with a lot of my other mental health. Like being around people actually really helps my mental health. And so I'm looking forward to to continue to do more of that.
3: Yeah. Awesome. Are you an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert?
1: I'm not sure because I definitely like my alone time and I definitely like to be able to sometimes I can be, it can be too much and I just need time to kind of recharge. But in general, I think that I'm like an extrovert introvert, if that makes sense. Like, because I really do feed off of other people. So, yeah.
2: Do you have a time limit? When you're, when you're with other people, do you continually gain energy or do you hit a point where you're like, okay, now I need to go recharge?
1: Um, it depends, right? Like, cause, okay. And it also depends on like what the thing is. Like I could be, okay. So San Diego was a great example because, um, I got there and I was by myself for a night, but then, um, I had, a, I got a really big hotel room. I got a suite and my friend Ray stayed with me. And so it was like a, a it was like 800 square feet. Right. So it was this massive, you know, huge, like, like suite and whatnot, but Ray and I were basically together the whole weekend and then we were also at the wedding for our friend Carissa and there were other things and I didn't feel like you know put upon, you know what I mean But, but the- if I'm at a conference, but, no but, but you, you know but if I'm at a conference for instance, and I have to be on and that's a little bit different than just being yourself and I've got to be like on and smiling and I'm giving talks. And I'm also answering customer questions. i doing other things. I would say that like 14 hours is probably my limit, and then I need oh, Jesus. to go home and recharge. And 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 I need, again I need to I need to go home and recharge. And sometimes though you can't because sometimes immediately after the conference you then have to go to the parties and all that stuff. But usually there is time where I'm like, okay, like if if I, if, I, if I would do a day of talks and booth duty, I would usually be like, okay, I'm going to try to find some time where like me and maybe a colleague can just like chill in the hotel and order out or the next day I need to not be at the conference and I need to walk around and I need to just like re like decompress because I I've been on like too long. If that makes sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like if it's one person or even two people that I get along with in a comfortable way and I don't have to be like on, um, I can, I, yeah, I don't have a time limit on that, but like a conference environment, uh, I I need a break every couple hours, even if it's just going and like closing a bathroom stall for five minutes. Uh, just I need the break. But going from a conference floor straight to a party, I could not do. I will always find an excuse to go back to the hotel room. Give me half an hour by myself. And then maybe I can go to a party.
1: Yeah. And and many times I would probably like to do that, but I'm not always in a position to do that. And I would say that when I was younger, I was definitely more of like an introvert extrovert. And I definitely liked my alone time more. And I was always happy to play by myself. I didn't mind playing with other people, but I was always happy to play by myself. As I've gotten older and as I've had to be in more extroverted situations, I've gotten, it's become easier and it's also become a thing that does to a certain extent, like, boost me up and I can have a really good time. But yeah, there is a certain point when I'm just done and I'm like, okay, as much as I like being around people, I've got to, I've got to go and be by myself and, and just like watch TV mindlessly or, or something and just like sit because it's just, it's just too much.
0: Yeah. As my late grandmother would say, my late grandmother would say enough is enough. (laughs)
2: Um, yeah, cool. So I don't, I don't actually have much to report either. Um, I've been getting shit done at work. I kind of next week I I'll be starting on a big publishing automation project for work. Um, and I kind of gave myself permission this week to, uh, be a little slower with getting things done, just kind of in preparation for the hours that that's going to take. Um, I've gotten away with it too. I have a a great setup that I shouldn't say out loud, but basically I work for multiple teams and every one of those teams is convinced that I'm busy with another one of those teams. So on a week where I really need some breathing space, I can just pretend. In any given meeting, like never do all three managers show up for the same meeting. So I can always I, I'm like a kid with divorced parents that can like uh, uh, yeah, play yeah, the yeah, parents yeah. against each other. <laughs> um and and that on on weeks like this where I really I need the space, um, I I exploit that. I'm a I'm a bad person, but I make up for it. I get my shit done. Um I get everything done. But uh, I also we, we've been taking walks still, uh, out in Wisconsin wetlands, and I have to make a retraction. Jeff, you asked me if there were bogs on our property or on our walks. And uh, L listened to the episode, and, and I had to answer him the affirmative, and L's like, "There are no bogs." <laughs> anywhere. Any, none of these places really? have bogs. And I realized I don't know what a bog is. So we looked it up. I looked at pictures and yeah, no bogs look magical. And I do not have a bog. Bogs are. Magical. I have a swamp. I have a marsh at best. <laughs> I do not have a bog. I appreciate your honesty. <laughs>
1: I, I didn't know I, I I didn't know the bog was until right now, and I'm looking it up, and I'm like, oh okay. And I'll be honest with you, some of them I think do look magical. But if I were just to like be like at least the first picture on Wikipedia, okay, some of these other ones are magical, but the first picture on Wikipedia, <laughs> I'm like, this is a fucking swamp.
2: Sure, it doesn't yeah. sound good, <laughs> right? But well, like my my all the knowledge I had of a bog was from the By God 20s song, the bog which does not paint a terribly pretty picture. It doesn't paint much of a picture at all. It's just industrial music, but uh, <laughs> it Could be the fault could, of the painter.
1: I was going to say, assumed, it's, it's just I bad was, noise.
3: I just always assumed it was like
2: a, a very muddy place.
3: Is there a genre of music that just sings Wikipedia lyrics or Wikipedia work entries? Oh, that's not a bad idea. Do you want to right? start uh, hey, a million dollar idea? <laughs> <laughs> Auto. Yeah, get, get one of those AI music composers and set it to Wikipedia.
0: Yep. Yep. We could do that. There you go. Be a long song.
2: So, uh, Jeff, <laughs> you, have many you threw a topic on our list that says fake it until you barely make it. I'm curious. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in my professional life, I have had the most fake it till you barely make it. Uh, kind of weak ever and it wasn't unintentional i mean it's like partly uh <laughs> partly a way that i know i grow but i am so so i you know for t- 25 years i was a journalist and i've been a what i call an investigative researcher um, for the last several years which is basically using that toolbox but using it for projects other than journalism and we've talked on this show about my Uh, juvenile justice work, um, around, uh, and, and my research there and, and how I ended up hiring Brett to both help with workflows, but also with sort of a tool that helps to sort of process audio, um, interviews and all this stuff. So like I know my toolbox and my skill set super, super well. And I decided to step outside of it without adequate support. (laughs) And and specifically, so I'm a member owner of a research and evaluation firm. It's a uh, collaboratively owned uh, firm. And we work strictly with social justice organizations doing traditional evaluation work. I do sort of investigative journalism work. Um, And it it occurred to me, I love working with data. I love thinking about data. I love thinking about data problems. Um, And I'm not a programmer, but I'm certainly comfortable in many programming environments until you know i have to really drill down Um, and the the sort of model that we're piloting with one organization here in minneapolis is like um what if you had sort of a data chaplaincy service (laughs) where like you had a handful of people who were really good with data one was good with data integrity one was good with just sort of Working with data, uh, you know, processing data, wrangling data. Another one maybe is more like front end, right? Um, and you could go to, to small nonprofits who, who have data, uh, that they don't really know how to leverage or have data that doesn't have integrity because who's had the time to think about how you gather the data? You're always just rushing to try to like, you know, meet this funding this funder's deadline or another. Um, and so we're piloting this idea of sort of data chaplaincy. And the, the people we're piloting with um, mainly just need help uh, sort of freeing data from a CRM they're using. They use a HubSpot uh, CRM, which has a, a pretty good API. Um, and, but inside of it, partly because of the way it's con- they constructed their own database and partly because they're using it for something that isn't really, isn't really meant for um, but the organization is saying you gotta use this, right? We realized that a solution would be to just really dive into the API, liberate their data and and make it so that it's really flexible and that they can do all sorts of things with it that they aren't able to do inside of the CRM. And and that's all great, everything's going fine. I've got a, you know, I've I created a, you know, sort of a business plan for them. I am piloting so like they're they're very patiently kind of giving me feedback on what helps what doesn't. Mostly it just feels like the reason I joke it's data chaplaincy is because people in nonprofits you start talking to them about helping them with their data and it's like it's like you're in there holding their hand saying I know it hurts, you know? <laughs> like um cuz everyone suffers through that a little bit. But I got into a situation where I needed to kind of do a little show and tell which mostly just involved me diving into the API um, and that was all fine for a while. And then I got to the point where I hit my own sort of like, okay, shit. Like I've, I've reached what I know how to do with this Python wrapper. I've reached what I know how to do by just like jumping out of the wrapper and just doing curl requests. I've reached what I can do by a messaging Brett at 6 PM, <laughs> uh, in a panic. And I have a meeting tomorrow, which was today. And I went into that meeting. I haven't had this experience in, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever had this experience in my professional life because I've always stuck really well within my ability to at least bullshit. Um, You know, like (laughs) if you've got a skill set, right, you know what it takes to sort of get through a meeting that you weren't actually ready for, right? Um, And in this case, I had to really just run up against the deadline realizing like I don't have what I told them I needed to give them. And, uh, and, and the barely made it thing that's beautiful is I took the, uh, who not how approach and just decided like, just before I got in the meeting, I'm like, I'm hiring somebody to finish this. Cause like I, you know, this is a bad use of the money. It's not coming out of their budget. Part of our sort of pilot program is that we actually go to the people who fund these people and say, you pay us for this. Don't take it out of their money. You pay us for this cause you pay them for other work and we can help make it so that they can do that work better, right? So, we're not like taking money out of their pockets in the like 10 hours probably that I spent that would have taken someone else too. Um, but just realizing like, hey, that didn't feel so good to barely make it. Um, and I I hung on that long because I wanted to learn it. But one thing about <laughs> one thing about coding is like, you can't force it. Um, the way I can force almost anything else that's in my skill set. So anyway, I'm curious. So I'm going to turn this into a question for you all. Like, do you have areas um, in your professional life that either you are in and you feel over your head, you don't have to say it on the podcast, or that you would like to be in over your head on so that maybe you could grow into that area a little bit? Anybody relating to any of this?
1: Oh, yeah. I I 100% relate. Go on, Brett. No, you go ahead. No, do it, Christina. No, I was just going to say, like, I, I've always like ha- kind of had a fake it till you make it approach for a lot of things. And I think, uh, to, to your point, as you're saying, like, as a journalist, that is sort of part of the thing, right? Because a lot of times we have to write about things that we don't have deep knowledge or expertise on, and you have to turn it around very quickly, but you also need to be as accurate as possible. At least I, that was what I always tried to do. And so there would be times when I would have things where I might not know at the beginning of how I was doing something, but I would have to kind of like pretend and then just go into it and learn as fast as possible. And to me, that was always sort of part of the appeal, uh, with my day job, both my current one and my old one, my current one, it's a little bit different, but my, uh, because I I feel like I have, I'm coming in with a lot more knowledge because of my, my last day job. But like when I started, um, you know, at, at Microsoft, I knew jack shit about Azure. I didn't know anything about it. And yet I'm supposed to be kind of an expert and I'm supposed to be giving talks. I'm supposed to be teaching people how to do this stuff. And I don't know, right? And so there was, what I found was I like looked forward to almost having like these deadlines, like you're going to have to give this talk. Okay. Well then I'm gonna have to build the talk and I'm going to have to go through all the things. I'm going to have to figure out how to do it. And, and even though when I'm giving the talk, I still might be talking out my ass a little bit. People are asking me questions. I might, give wrong answers. And I certainly did early on, but as I got more into it, like I would know more and I would learn more and I would actually like, by the end, I was like, no, I actually know quite a bit about a lot of these different things. Um, but yeah, there are definitely times when absolutely I have to create a video or a presentation or do something. I'm like, I've never touched this before and I don't know necessarily what I'm doing. And I don't want people to hear that and think, oh, Christina is like completely full of shit. And, and if I watch one of her videos, it's, it's like not good information. Cause that's not true. By the yeah. time it goes out, I feel very confident that for the audience I'm targeting and for what I'm doing, that it, it, it's a, it's been fact checked. It's been like, it's, it's had tech checks. It's had other people go through it and, and I feel confident, but when I've agreed to take it on, I I don't know, you know, and it's like yeah. it's very much a kind of a, a fake it till you make it. But, um, but you're sure or you'll or figure make it, it type out. Of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm not like you will or you won't. That's always part of like the, I guess, the fun of it. Like usually, <laughs> like my my look, my life philosophy is that it'll be okay, probably right. Like I'm sure that there'd be scenarios where I wouldn't, but I also, I guess, for me, I have like limits. Like I would not, for instance, try to fake it till I make it. And pilot a plane, right? Sure. <laughs> like there, 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 there are certain things that I would not take on because I'm like, yes. okay, if I fuck up here, the and barely make it or don't make it, then there are real consequences. But for other stuff, like the worst that can happen is that I'm going to be embarrassed, maybe chastised, and have to make a correction. But the world will not end.
2: But and, have you ever? Have you ever not made it? Yes. Like, have you ever said, "I can do this"? Knowing full well that you were going to have to figure out how to do it before you could yes. do it, and then not done it. Yes. Okay.
1: And that's sh- and that's shitty. That sucks. Yeah. And, yeah. and when you when that when that happens, that's really shitty. I once uh, I, I volunteered to write a program because um, it would have been a very simple uploader thing, so that people could upload a certain asset. This was for a community thing we were doing um, at a conference, and I volunteered to write a, a uploader thing and I could have done it in another language, but I just decided, yeah, I can do it in.net. It won't be that difficult. <laughs> Never written in.net before. I didn't I, like getting set up. If I'd had a little more time, I probably could have figured it out. Did I get it done in time? No, I absolutely did not. And I had to kind of be like, yep. I had to kind of go back to the people and be like, yeah, I thought I could do this, but I can't. I'm sorry. And yeah. it sucked. And it made me yeah. look like a flake and it yeah. sucked. And then that was a good reminder to say in my mind, okay, be more realistic about your goals, about what yeah. you promise. Like the Coopers got a little bit of the best of me because many times in most cases I am able to eke it out. Uh, that was a case where I could not. And there've been other instances too. That was, that was just the first that comes to mind, but yeah, there definitely been been instances and it's shitty, but yeah. um, you know, that's also the, part of learning.
2: The hardest thing for me is saying no. If someone pitches an idea to me and says, Same. Hey, I think you could help with this. And even if I can help with it, it's so hard to say no. I don't have time for this. No, um, I I I know that I will end up flaking on you if I agree to do this. I don't actually have to say that part out loud, right? But I have to admit that to myself, and I have to learn to say no uh, to projects like all the time at work. I agree to do things, much like you uh, talking about, you know, giving a talk on Azure. Like I. My entire job is me agreeing to write articles and do screencasts on stuff that I do not know that I can do. Um, right, and thus far, I've mostly succeeded. Um, if I said I could do it, I've been able to do it. My biggest fear, though, is those follow-up questions you mentioned.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that, like, yeah, I can figure out enough to make a a solid presentation with. Things that I know to be true, but if you come at me with follow-up questions... (laughs) <laughs> All bets are off. I don't know what's going to happen. Then. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, no, and 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 what I found for both of these things, what what is, and and this is was has been really really hard for me historically because I'm a perfectionist, and 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 I I, I want to be, a, and I, that's just who I am. I have always I worked on it a lot, but I'm I'm a, eh, I am a perfectionist. I want to not just be able to do things; I want to be able to do it right, and I want to be able to. I don't compare myself really that much against others, but I am comparing myself like against like myself and I'm myself to a very high standard. And what happens sometimes, what I've had to learn is A, like you said, to say no, which can be really hard because you want to help. Like I want to help people and, and I I feel good about that. Is A learning to say no, which is really important. And B, and this has been a hard one too, but it's been really important, is learning when people ask you something and I don't know the answer to just say I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is really hard because most people, like, even on this podcast, people think, oh, Christina knows everything. She'll have an answer for everything. <laughs> and I have a lot of information. I do know a lot of things, right? And I'm good at having answers. And sometimes they're not correct, but most of the time they are. <laughs> the problem is, though, like, you know, because I'll be honest about that. I'm not, obviously, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm imperfect. I'm human. And, and I'm, there's, I have to remind myself all the time. There's so many things I don't know. And I want to learn so much. But I, I genuinely love to learn. But it's become really important for me. And I've gotten much, much better about owning and admitting, no, you know what? I don't know. I don't know, but I can, I can help you find someone who will. And maybe Mm -hmm. they'll look at me and think, well, you gave this talk. How come you don't know the answer to this? And maybe they'll think less of me. And that's okay. You know, if they, if they do, like that's completely, I have to live with that. I have to like have that reality, but I also have to think, do I expect every single person that I've ever seen give a talk? To know every answer to everything. No, I I don't, you know, especially if they can help me find the answer. I don't expect someone to be omnipotent and know every answer. What's and 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 what I used to do is I would kind of give a bullshit answer and then I'd realize later that I was wrong. And I was like, fuck, I gave them the wrong answer. You know, you yeah. feel bad about it. And you're like, well, I can't track the person down now, but it sucks. And now mm-hmm. I've kind of learned I'm like, no, you know what? If I genuinely don't know, I'll be like, that's a great question. I do not know the answer to that, but let me find somebody who does. And then I at that same time, if I can, I try to learn the answer so that if I'm ever asked again, I now know, but, but that's, that's the tough thing is, is I think for, yeah. for me anyway, it, but what's helped is just, yeah, if I get the follow-up questions and I don't know them, be honest about that. Yeah, And so. I've even done things, I've even done things in live talks where people have asked me, I was like, all right, we're going to have a fun game called Google it together. And, <laughs> and, and, and like look through it and, you know, and, and, and like, I'm like, and I'll even joke, I'm like, and you, you could have just read the documentation instead of hearing me talk. You don't make, I'll be self-deprecating about it. But also most of us, how we work, we do have to look things up. Like that's, that's part mm-hmm. of it. So I, yeah, uh, to me, it's been difficult to learn to accept and admit when I don't know the answer, but I've gotten so much better with it. And it's that, that helps me.
3: Yeah. What about you, Victor? Oh, no, Never. Never. What are you talking about? Man, no, I take the A's. No, no, I'm kidding. I, um, a lot of times I was just thinking back to, uh, early in my career, back when there was a term called webmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm. And I, it was an e commerce site. And it was actually, you know, it was adequate or whatever for 2001. Um, and I promised to build some database, actually, uh, some back end shit. And, it did not go well. And I ended up having to hire someone to come in and, you know, build the database and then I could connect it and all that. But yeah, that was, uh, that was humbling. And, oh, the irony, Brett's over there smiling. Cause he you knows like <laughs> my life right now is somewhat similar. Um, but uh, also like, I, uh, I was just telling someone the other day that I have been a magic hobbyist since I was like seven or eight years old and I've mm. never taken it seriously enough. So like I, I'm, I go to these conferences, <laughs> I went to a conference recently in Atlanta, and one of the big things about magic conferences is you sit, uh, magic tricks, right? Uh, you sit down and you jam with other magicians who are really good. So you can learn new things. You can maybe show mm-hmm. something you've been working on. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, like not many arts yeah. do that. Certainly, I, I did stand up comedy for a while and you don't do that with stand up comedians by and large. Sometimes you do. Right. You're lucky. You're real lucky. Um, but at any rate, it's like, it was humbling because I got up there and I was like, I don't know a damn thing. I can't hang and i just kind of like backed up you know it's like homer going into the bushes yeah um so yeah so i took a david blaine course over the past 30 days or something and and that's been good but
1: it's, oh that's that's the cool. thing that you is know really
3: yeah cool. i mean i was a journalist as well and you, you know you learn this stuff um i i did a call-in show on systemic racism and i did not know enough facts you know to to say this that or the other but by the time and and i wanted to be uh you know, careful about what I said to be accurate. This was public radio, um, and a pretty good audience. And we had a very good discussion and I ended up winning an award for that. So it was like, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about, okay. But the David Blaine course,
3: what's, what's one way that your
0: magic game has changed since taking that course?
3: Well, you know, the, the big thing was just having stakes in it. It was a, it was a a synchronous 30 day thing. So you had peer reviews that you had to turn in. You had to like show a video. So it actually got me out of my shell because one of the biggest things, this is why I don't think Brett or Christina has seen a single damn magic trick that I've ever done uh, is because I'm super nervous doing it. Like I have no problem doing stand up comedy, which all my actor friends, like I couldn't do that. I'm like, what are you talking Mm. about? You're an actor, (laughs) but you know, (laughs) Uh, I magic, for some reason, performing for other people is just really, really, and part of it's, you know, the consistency thing and all that and practicing enough to where you can do it and I can lie with a straight face. I'm not good at that. Uh, Mm. So, yeah, you know, all of that. But it, it forced me to practice, basically. Yeah, yeah, practice,
0: practice. I kept thinking about that. While I was trying to burn my way through this API project, I was like, well, what I need is practice and I'm getting it now, but it's not going <laughs> to end course. in what they need. Right. And, and that's the thing too, is like, you can kind of beat up on yourself or I can beat up on myself and then forget to remember that. Oh, well, that was a Nick, a uh, Nick of time situation, but I just learned a ton this last week. Yeah. Right. Um,
2: but yeah. All right. Yeah. We got to take an ad break. We're going to do break. we're going to do a block of ads. We're going to do 3 ads a in a block. row. Hmm. So buckle in folks. Uh we're going to start with Jeff and Tech Expander. Hey,
0: man, I think you got the volume right on that, on that bit, finally. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, get your team communicating faster so they can focus on what's most important. With Text Expander, your team's knowledge is at their fingertips. Get your whole team on the same page by getting information out of silos and into the hands of everyone that needs to use it. Uh, you can share your team's knowledge across departments so your team is sending a unified message to your customers and isn't spending time reinventing the wheel. Let them do that in other areas of your company's work. Um, here's how it works first, you store it. Keep your company's most used emails, phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. And then you can share it. Get your whole team access to all the content they need to use every day and then you can expand it. Uh, so deploy the content you need with just a few keystrokes on any device across any apps you use. It's that easy. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. Overtired listeners get 20% off their first year. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. Before we go to the next ad, I got to say, text expander. I needed to use this API code a lot as I was playing uh, around the last week. So I made a little, little expander, little expander. I know that's not what they call it. They call it a snippet, but I call it an expander. (laughs) And uh, and I just want to say that that is a tool in my toolbox. And sometimes it feels like my whole damn toolbox. So text expander, friends.
2: Text expander. And uh, if you're a software engineer, You've been there. It's 9 p.m. and you're finally unwinding from work and your phone buzzes with an alert. Something's broken and your mind's already racing. And what could be wrong? Is it the back end or the front end? Is it global? Is it the server? Did I introduce a bug in my last deploy? Now the whole team's scrambling from tool to tool and messaging person after person to find and fix the issue. This won't happen if you get New Relic. New Relic combines 16 different monitoring products that you'd normally buy separately so engineering teams can see across their entire software stack in one place. More importantly, you can pinpoint issues down to the line of code so you know exactly why the problem happened and can resolve it quickly. That's why the dev and ops team at DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games, and more than 14,000 other companies use New Relic to debug and improve their software. Whether you run a cloud-native startup or a Fortune 500 company, it takes just five minutes to set up New Relic in your environment. That next 9 p.m. call is just waiting to happen. Get New Relic before it does, and you can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data for free forever, no credit card required. Sign up at newrelic.com slash overtired. That's N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash overtired. New dot com slash overtired.
1: And sp- going uh, our last one uh, you guys know that we love the break-in protection that simply safe home security systems give you but it's not always outside forces that you need simply safes protection from and this is Terry's story a simply safe customer so Terry was away for the weekend for her daughter's wedding and the morning of the big day she got a call from simply safes 24/7 professional monitoring center and they let her know that her system had detected water in her basement so in moments like this time is critical because because even an inch of flooding can cause more than $25,000 worth of damage. Thankfully, Simply Safe had detected the water just moments after the leaking had started. And after talking to Simply Safe, Terry called her neighbor, who quickly turned the water in her home off before the flooding got bad. Protecting against floods is just one of the reasons more than 4 million people trust their home protection to Simply Safe. With comprehensive Simply Safe system and 24-7 professional monitoring, you can have someone always looking out for you, just like Terry. Plans start at under a dollar a day with no long-term contracts or hidden fees ever. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash overtired, that's S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash overtired. Go today and claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Go to simplysafe.com slash overtired. That's S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E, simplysafe.com slash overtired.
2: Perfect. Do we need applause? Do I have Ooh. applause? Where's my applause?
3: Here we go.
0: Yay! Okay, okay. Oh oh So
3: boy. forever loop. He hit it it's twice. Sound a loop. Um,
2: <laughs> I'm not good at soundboards. Um, so w- there's a bunch of media that I would love to talk to you guys about. However, since we have Victor here, and and I know Victor shares my love of all things Star Trek, I I would love to talk about Brave New World or, or uh, Str- uh, Strange New Worlds with with you guys. Uh show of hands who here has seen Strange New Worlds? Um
0: this isn't a hand being shown but I'm excited for this conversation cuz I dropped off at Wrath of Khan. And so <laughs> I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to I'm ready for the for the pitch.
3: We're going to convert and people today.
2: I <laughs> How w- Victor, what would you say your level of Star Trek? How much Star Trek do you need to have seen to enjoy Strange New Worlds? Zero. Zero. It's just okay. good out of the gate. Yeah. Okay, it's their cool. bottle episodes. So, it's yeah, exactly. Like so, they for uh, Picard and uh, and Discovery. Like they had these overarching plots that took a season to resolve, and like every episode, you know, maybe there were some bottle topics within the episode, mm-hmm. but there was this long running plot and the beauty of strange new worlds is they are bottle episodes and every episode has a start, uh, a problem, a hook, uh, you know, a conflict, and then a resolution end of episode. And you can watch just one episode without being baffled. And sure. I mean, there are character, there's character development that happens over time and everything, just like with any serial format, but it gets back to, I mean, what the original series was, you know, like this, this very Star Trek
3: kind of approach. And man, it's really fun. Yeah. Awesome. And, and it really uses, uh, I mean, it, it's the classic science fiction thing of uh, taking science fiction and talking about problems that we have, you know, yes. as, as modern, a society, as people. societal whatever. issues. Yeah. Because yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you saw this last one, Brett. Yeah. Uh, with the kid i see maybe the
2: not kid? the last one i okay. saw was spock amuck
3: okay yeah no that Ooh. one's awesome that one's <laughs> that sounds a little um, bit like
2: spock em up but
3: anyway <laughs> I, it's it, it's a freaky friday episode basically where spock and T- uh to paul right uh they uh no no that's, that's from enterprise uh what's to paul
2: that's enterprise yeah yeah i i forget it's i've to forgotten his,
3: yeah T-Paul. um Anyway, his his fiance uh, they switch katras and so they're in each other's body and but it's cool because it's like you see how uh, you gain empathy from the other person's perspective even if you're logical like you you know you're you're I don't know it was beautiful um, even though it was a very comedic episode it was this, it
2: was pretty funny
3: yeah, yeah this this newest one is extremely freaking dark and I don't know I want to say what it's a metaphor for but. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious by the end, but I don't want to ruin the ending. So no spoilers. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. I would just say, say there's I, a child involved. Okay. All right. Yeah. I don't want spoilers because I've been hearing good things about this from a number of people and I haven't watched it yet. And now this is going to be the thing that pushes me over. So yeah.
3: it's
0: incredible. Okay. Hold on. Let me ask you though. So if I watch it and I love it, what's next?
3: Hmm. Uh, well, did you watch it? You didn't read. So you didn't watch next generation.
0: No, I watched, you know, I saw an episode here or there like hotel watching, right? But that's it.
3: Yeah, so I want to say I mean, Deep really, Space 9 though.
2: You, like you got to go from like chronologically, <laughs> your next stop would be Discovery. Okay. I think. Yeah, but I I But technically it would be the original series, but the original series while it was brilliant and there was a lot to love there, it's so old that it's hard for me to get absorbed in. I can only watch. But I it. got it's that covered,
0: relic, man. I told you I'm relic con. Yeah,
3: and I got that covered. So you've watched you the gotta original do TNG.
0: series. I've watched the original series and the and the first couple of movies.
3: Okay. Um yeah, don't watch any of the other movies then. Um <laughs> <laughs> you ended on a good note. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, TNG, uh, who, who? I mean, it's a good series. It really is. Who, did, who directed the Into Darkness trilogy?
2: Was that Zack Snyder? Oh, no, it was J.J. Uh, Abrams. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. That the Kelvin that power. whole series splits off the timeline. It's like an alternate timeline. Yeah, It's kind yeah. of entertaining and, in its own right, but not really Star Trek canon. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love it because it does this, the J.J. thing that he always does where he loves alternate timelines. Like, that's his yeah. whole thing. Like, since Felicity, that's his whole thing.
3: <laughs> They're fun. I mean, you know, I enjoyed them. Awesome. But I'm a purist. Awesome. Not a purist. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> did, did anyone see uh Picard season two? I Am I know. the only person here who's seen I, Picard I did. season two?
1: I might I did. have, but it's been so long because wasn't it like two years ago?
3: No. No, that was season one.
1: Oh, okay. Well then yeah, no I have. Season two
3: just wrapped like what, a month ago, I think.
1: Okay, and, then no, I have not.
2: And they've they've are they they're wrapping season three. Three right now, I think. So there's another season
3: coming. Yeah, there was a huge cliffhanger. Yeah,
2: yeah. Season two, man. I was, I got really into it. It, It's not if you are looking for Star Trek in the in the vein of you know TNG and Strange New Worlds. It's not.
3: It's not. It's like the least accessible Star Trek ever because not only is it kind of picking up from season one in a way, you know, I mean, like they wrapped Mm -hmm. up data's storyline obviously in season one, but in season two, it's all about Picard has this trauma. And if you don't know anything about Picard, you're just gonna be like, why am I watching like the Golden Girl's cousin have this midlife like late life <laughs> crisis? What the hell? Yeah.
2: You know? Yeah, you gotta you you gotta have some background and you you kinda gotta want you gotta want what they're what they're selling you, which in my case I did and I found season two very enjoyable, like, really, like, gripping. But I saw a lot of people just hated it. I shouldn't say a lot of people. I saw a couple very vocal people, uh, very vocal Star Trek fans who just hated it and thought it was a travesty. But
0: I I don't care. Does Star Trek like have it. a lot of those kinds of fans? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: although, although, I will say. Tell me about your been, culture. I've been thinking a lot about this because. Uh, which uh, just side note, you notice that Star Wars has no multiverse aspect whatsoever, but like every other franchise does now. Yeah, like, Star Trek point. was a pioneer with the mirror universe stuff. But yeah, anyway. I was
1: gonna say they like kind of started the whole thing. Yeah,
3: even though it makes no freaking sense whatsoever. Why would Cisco be out near deep space anyway? Whatever. Um, <laughs> but. But yeah, but Star Wars fans, I think, seem to be a little bit more toxic because there's not an ethos to Star Wars, right? It's just good guys versus bad guys, and mm. uh, it's it's very just cowboys and Indians kind of thing. And so, mm. you know, but yeah, with Star Trek, question. I noticed that like people, it's it's about truth. It's I mean, I just posted this on my Facebook that it's like it's about the search for truth, whether it's historic, scientific, or personal truth, and that's what scientists Ooh, do. A
2: Picard quote,
3: yeah damn right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the, that's the thing. And so they tend to be a little bit less emotional, but uh, they're not all. I mean, they're people, you know, and it's like, and they certainly have opinions uh, about this stuff. And the alternate timeline stuff seems to really make some people very mad. Hmm. Uh, which I get.
2: Well, like in the Marvel universe, like we have been conditioned mm-hmm. to the idea of multiverse and the idea of alternate timelines and this idea of Sure, this storyline can happen on its own without affecting any of the other storylines that we've laid out and we can make things as messy as we want to. And I feel mm-hmm. like part of the draw of Star Trek is it's always been pretty logical. There have been there have been plot holes, there have been obvious uh continuity issues between especially between shows, but even even within a show like it happens. But like it takes a much more logical approach. Uh, w- so I guess I see the multiverse in Marvel as a cop-out almost as a way of saying we can do anything we want to. We owe nothing to the Canon we built uh, because to be fair, this just happened. This is a different timeline. This, yeah, is, a yeah, different, totally this comic is a different books. universe. Yeah.
3: That's how comic um, books work. Sure.
2: And I'm not a comic book guy, but I am a right. Star Trek guy and I guess I, I do. I I don't hate the multiverse. I like but I do consider it kind of a cop out in storytelling. Yeah, but fair. I do I he, I hear what you're saying about comic books and that's basically the history of comic
3: books. And it's wrapped yeah. up and also in time travel. Yeah, and so far. Sure. Op- oh my god. Soap operas, that's right the amount of time that victor Kiriakis disappeared or whatever i don't know
1: yep like <laughs> and and, and, and then the, 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 the aging the fact that people come back from all kinds <laughs> yeah. of things i mean you know the, it, actually what we should say rather than the comic books or soap operas it is it is one of those things that is i think natural to like serialize storytelling
3: mhm mhm for sure yep
0: well, oh and it's God. thrilling as a comic book fan to, especially when I, I kind of came to Marvel comic books late and I love kind of trying to figure out which path I want to take to the present day, um, in order to sort of catch myself up or just, you know, you can kind of, it's a little choose your own adventure in terms of the lore nowadays, especially. yeah.
3: Which is well, and you, If fun. you want it dark or if you want it funny or yes. whatever, it's just all the flavors of the rainbow. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did you guys see that Netflix is doing
2: the Sandman? Oh, my yes. God. No. <laughs> it, looks, <laughs> it looks amazing. It does look uh, good. Neil Gaiman has given it his stamp of approval.
1: Well, that's important. Uh,
2: he's yeah. pimping it. And, and yeah, it looks so fun. Like yeah, It looks the like the kind it's of so show cool. I can totally get lost, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it comes out in August, I think. I think like so. August 3rd.
3: I've got a hardbound like collection of all of them that I'm going through right now. So Dude,
2: I have nice, I have nice. I have volumes one and two separately, and I also picked up the audiobooks uh, this year. I listened to the uh, volume one and two on audiobook, and it's it's great. It's just it's so fun. That's a comic awesome. I can get into. Does that count as a comic or is it yeah? A yeah. Graphic well, novel. Well, oh, yeah. graphic
3: novel. Yeah. I mean whatever. Yeah, right. You say Mac or you say Macintosh? Come on. Ooh. Grow up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, you guys ever see Habibi? No. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, graphic novel uh, yeah, about Habibi. a girl growing up in... I'm not sure what the era is supposed to be. I think it's modern, but it's a girl growing up in the Middle East. Um, and the the graphic novel like tackles um, kind of the origins of uh, the Quran and contrast it with the Christian Bible and, and then talks about it's, it's, it's a very compelling. I got my, my girlfriend got me the hardcover, uh, compilation of the entire graphic novel. And I read the whole thing over about two weeks and it was amazing. And if you have any interest in Arab culture worth checking out.
0: Nice. Awesome. Should we, uh, should we graptitude this place? All oh, my yes, we should.
1: Yeah. yeah, we need to graptitude because Brett has a heart out. That's yeah.
2: right. Um, I, you want me to go first since I have the heart out? I was gonna then say I, you I can duck out if I have to. Um, this week I'm picking paletro. Uh, Peletro. I, so in Sublime Text and now in VS Code, you can hit Command Shift P and you get a command palette. And you can access pretty much every feature of your IDE in the command palette. And so
1: so they so they've copied VS Code.
2: I believe Sublime had it first. I believe okay, Sublime true. pre exists. This is almost no, like a Star Trek fight.
1: No, no, but I was just <laughs> gonna say command shift P because the, the command palette and VS Code will do the exact same thing. But sorry, go yeah, on. No, 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 absolutely.
2: But, yeah. but I believe I believe it originated with Sublime Text. Gotcha. Um and uh, anyway, like this idea of the command palette, uh, I, I had always thought, man, it would be cool if I could do this in you know any application. And yeah. then one day, I went to set app to figure out what had happened to another app that I was trying to use, and uh, and it came up as a suggested app, Paletro, and it uses. Uh, system events, and accessibility features to give you a command ship P palette in any application that gives you type ahead access to any menu item for the app.
1: How do you spell this?
2: P-A-L-E-T-R-O. Okay. And
0: Okay,
1: got it. It
2: works. That's great because
0: I feel like I've internalized, sort of how you internalize uh, command comma, for Preferences. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I do find myself being like, oh, what? The, how do I do this? Control Shift P. No, that's
2: not. What I'm well, in like Command now. T, in mm-hmm. it, it, depending yeah. on what's what shortcuts you set up in VS Code, but definitely in Sublime Text, Command T is how you like flip between files, and you can like type ahead for any file in your project and just switch files. And I actually changed the shortcuts in like Xcode because I just internalized that command t so what would be command shift o and xcode is now command t for me which means if i use anyone else's machine i'm you know screwed but um anyway yeah that's my pick paletro awesome
1: awesome yeah i just installed it this is very cool I
3: love uh
2: who wants who wants to go
3: i'll go uh yeah, please. All right. mine's mine's easy everybody knows this probably already uh but i've I've just been amazed at how rock solid it's been through all of these like iCloud sync issues that people have had. Other app makers I know have had a lot of issues with this, um, but somehow they get it right. And iPhone, iPad and Mac apps all work brilliantly. They work through the company VPN and all this other thing, um, things Uh yeah. yeah. And I, I was uh, just telling my son who's about to go to college, you know, if you want something that's going to organize your workload, it's actually pretty good because I like the way that they have areas and they have projects. So it's sort of distinct as to where because, you know, not everything fits into a project. It might be, right. in a, you know, and then and then you can create the sequences and all that. So it really does a great job of just I don't know. It, and once you become a power user, it's it, psh, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, I love it.
0: Nice. Ugh, things is so great. I used it in the earliest days and I loved it. And then somehow I moved over to not somehow, I moved over to Omnifocus, which is still if I'm gonna open an app for um project right. management, that's yeah. where I'll go. But I always oh, get in there, I'm like, this is too much. Yeah. Uh, and things always just felt so simple and yeah. and and it's man, it sounds like it's really held up, huh? hmm That's great. Awesome.
1: Um okay. So All right, we've talked a lot about like LaunchBar and Alfred and apps like that over the years. And I've been an Alfred user for a really long time. But I recently discovered, uh, it's been around for like a year, but, but I was late to the party, I discovered Raycast. And Raycast is one of the launch apps kind of similar, you know, of the Quicksilver type, but it is... Um, a little bit different. It kind of combines a bunch of different things. So it obviously is your launcher and you can, like I have my mapped. I'm, I'm testing it out. I've been testing it for the last week. So I actually mapped it to command space, but you can um, do it for uh, uh, in any other key command too. And out of the box, it comes with a lot of things that are installed automatically, but they also have a bunch bunch of both extensions um, that you can get from their store. Um, but they also have like these ideas of like quick actions. And um, it, it's a little more complex than some of the other ones, but I really, really like it. Like for instance, there are there, there's a there's a brew command in in Raycast where I can immediately just go to show outdated, show installed, upgrade, whatever the case may be. It also will do window management, which is really nice. So you can set up your key bindings and like have like you know like like control like up if you wanted to um, you know put a window at the very top of of your screen. You could do that. And, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a, uh, or, or option up rather, I should say, um, and, and kind of control like where things will go. I really, really like it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to switch to it full time from the stuff that I've been using for years, but it's free. I think that their business plan is they're going to be selling. This as like a, a a team's tool, but they say that it's going to be free for individuals. Um, they use TypeScript, uh, for um, doing their um, uh, extensions. And I really, really like it. So, so Raycast, uh, raycast.com, this is, this is my, uh, my gratitude. Uh, definitely, if you've never used any of these types of things, um, give it a shot. It also has snippets in it, um, uh, kind of doing a, a text expander type thing. Um, again, it's not going to be as advanced as text expander. You can still use that, but it has that um, functionality built into it too. And I'm just, I'm, I'm a big fan. So, so, so Raycast is, is my pick. It's,
2: it's a hard sell, too. right? To get someone who's, who's totally invested in say LaunchBar or Alfred it is. and has been for years, even if yep. something comes along that has like potential to be better, it's, it's hard. Like I it would is have hard. trouble making a hard. switch. N-
1: right which is why I've been doing it for a week and and the reason I'm I'm talking about it is because I've actually found a lot of things in it that I like a lot better yeah. and I don't know if I'm going to be able to switch to it full time but I really like it and a bunch of people have built things for it like the thing is I think that the thing that makes a lot of these tools is the ecosystem and mm-hmm. so far the ecosystem is really strong and people are nice. building cool things with it and it has a lot of stuff that you would in the past like with Alfred at least you'd need to install a bunch of workflows yeah. to get going a lot of those things are just out of the box so if you're new to these things i definitely think that it's worth a look if you are coming from something else it might take a little more time and you might it might not replace it for you but there is some stuff that i really do feel like is really nice
0: nice awesome i just downloaded it i'm very curious to try it i am an alfred person in uh where that's where i come down that's the that's the jersey i wear
1: yeah like i said i still had alfred installed and, yeah. and, and I'm like, you know, I'm not, I haven't made any like decisions, but I'm, I, I am actually really impressed. So.
2: Awesome. Cool. Launch bar for life.
0: Go ahead, Jeff. Launch <laughs> bar for life. Uh, Brett has that tattooed across his back. Huh. um I, 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 I am really glad it's the weekend because I've been wasting time when I should have been working on setlist.fm <laughs> which is a site that is always yes. a little too spammy for my tastes but I realized I like once I started searching shows I had been to and realized uh-huh. I could just be like I was at that show and then have a list of shows I was at and they have an API um, I was like oh my god I can't stop and so I, I did have to stop myself like more than once this week because you know you're stressed you're, you're like, well I could I didn't put that one concert in yet let's go see if they've got that in there um and it was fun to just i barely got started uh and and there's already like 70 concerts in there right like it's like really fun to it's really fun to have my memory kind of um jogged and one of the things i've been doing is I've only done two shows so far, but uh, I've been bookmarking the shows in Pinboard and then writing a little one-paragraph review of the show as I remembered it. Um, And one that I put in was... I saw PJ Harvey on September 13th, 2001 in Chicago. And so it's two days after September 11th when you kind of like nobody really knew what to do. Like, do we do right. anything at all? Um, and and the idea that she kept the show was super kind of interesting to me because I was like, all right, I'll go, I'll go to the show. It, we were all so messed up. The whole band wore black. And they they only mentioned September 11th in the beginning in the most passing way, which is like, we all need music tonight. And they started with this song, uh, the This Mess We're In, which like had a whole different kind of um, resonance. And it was incredible because it just, this is so corny to say, but it actually, it was a big theater and it actually felt like the band needed that music as much as we needed that music. And it didn't feel exactly like a concert, right? Like it was such a powerful... The other one that i had forgotten about is i saw slayer before i was a fan and uh and i had this memory of tr- i was like i don't know this band but i'll try the mosh pit as a teenager <laughs> and so i go into the mosh pit realizing that it's a a, a real like grown-ups mosh pit because the first guy <laughs> i bang into has like an eight inch leather wristband with like common house nails shooting outwards <laughs> all around it uh, and i'm like you know i'm gonna Sit this one out and wait for <laughs> anthrax. Um, but anyway, it's been super fun to like, the other thing I've been doing is I, because it's called setlist.fm because they usually or often have the set list for a show that you right. went to. Sometimes they don't. Um, but I've been making playlists uh, in, uh, in Apple music of the set lists of shows that just were really wonderful for me. Yeah, And it's super cool to look at a set list and think like, like one of the set lists, I saw Soundgarden open for Skid Row and, <laughs> and you could, you could really tell in the set list that they were like, it was like at the beginning of their bad motorfinger kind of touring time. So they were just not that big yet. And you could tell that they were like picking a set list where they're like, all right. This should work for the Skid Row people, right? (laughs) Anyway, I love it. Setlist.fm. Christina, what were you going to say?
1: No, I was going to say, I found, I can't remember the name of it now. I'll have to go back and look because I'm also a big fan. And I found an iOS app at one point that would let you create like a Spotify or an Apple Music playlist based on the setlist. Oh, cool. And, 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 um, which, which was, which was really cool.
0: Ooh, maybe that's something I can do with my new, with my, um, my blossoming API skills.
1: Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> I used to always steal the set list anytime I went to like a smaller show, like at the warehouse in, in Wisconsin, uh, always like that was my souvenir. Just grab the set list yeah. off the stage at the end of the show. You were that yeah. Memories. yeah. You were that
3: guy.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Victor, it's been a pleasure having you. I mean, I know yeah. you've done this podcast before. I just never met you and was oh, fun. podcast With you. <laughs> Great to meet you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Points. Thanks a lot, Victor.
1: Thank you Victor. Always good to see you and, and good to have you on.
2: Same. Yeah. It's good to see you all. I want all three of you to get some sleep. Get some sleep.
1: Get some sleep, boys. The
0: <laughs>